Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the October 9th edition of the Hughes Sports Podcast. I am your host, of course, and with me, the old man. Old man, how the hell are you doing today? I am overly hyper today. Yeah, you've been you've been on a whole other level this this uh, afternoon. Yeah, I've been sick all week, so I'm starting to. Today is really the first day I felt like a freaking human after since we got home from the holidays. Um, so I'm feeling good. I got some energy. I went for a walk and all kinds of other stuff that I'm sure Jake is going to tell you about. Well, yes. So um, as you can tell by the title of today's episode, we have the one, the only Matt Sakaris on for an interview. Uh, we sat down with him a bit earlier today uh, to kind of discuss things. And before we jump into the interview, without spoiling anything, old man, how did you, how do you feel about the interview? How do you feel about the conversation we had? Fuck, what a great interview. Um, and it wasn't us. I mean, he's just so good. Like you can. You ask him something and he can talk for like 25 minutes. It's amazing. Like, and so intelligent and so, um, what's the words I'm looking for? So knowledgeable, um, on sports in Vancouver. It's, uh, it was, it was fun. I really, really enjoyed it. No. And as someone, I mean, I've, he said they started 12 years ago. I yeah. probably started listening to both, uh, uh, Matt and Blake, in 2013 2014 so only a couple years into their run and then they transitioned we didn't even talk about the transition from no uh, we didn't get radio from classic radio into (laughs) yeah they transitioned they're the right they were on the radio for many years and they transitioned just recently i guess three or four years ago now to this digital space due to the radio station closing down in vancouver and at the time they started doing their show live at the same time, they did their show on the radio. Yes. At that time, I had just started a job where I was on the road, by, on the road, literally go, driving to different places, knocking on businesses, doors and everything throughout the day. It was the greatest thing for me to be able to listen to live in my car every Monday through Friday and stick, stay up with everything. Three hours of my day, I knew programming wise what I could be listening to. Um, and to, to be able to do a three hour talk show about sports, I mean, you've got to be plugged in because if you're not plugged in, you're not, that's not working. (laughs) No. And I mean, Vancouver, don't get me wrong. I I feel Vancouver fans are very engaged and, and can have intelligent conversations. Um, did they take a lot of callers? Was it a call-in show? It wasn't really a call-in show. They they would do a lot of interaction. They still do a lot of interaction with their uh, fans, but yeah. it, it was more. I mean, th- you have to fill three hours, right? That's it's, a lot. And it was guests. It was a lot of different things. But again... they what? Two hours now, or are they still three? Hour and a half. Hour and a half. Hour and a half to two hours, depending on what's going on. Sometimes less on weekends, like today. First off, I didn't even say it. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Turkey Day. Gobble, gobble, gobble. If you are listening to us live, I appreciate you taking time out on your Turkey Day to hang out with us and listen to uh, the Matt Sakaris uh, sit down. And do we just want to jump right into that? Do you have anything else to add before we jump into that? Let's say. Do you want to do that now or do you want to do it after we talk about the lines? We could do either way, whichever way you want to do it. Let's jump into it now and then we'll talk about the interview and talk about the lines because we do talk about the lines in the interview. We do. Yeah, we do quickly touch on the Lions. Yeah. And if you have questions, this just so you guys know, if you're tuning in, this is a pre-recorded interview. We sat down with him earlier today, a couple hours ago. 
if you have questions or you want to bring things up, we will be in the chat. We will not be responding live uh, on here, but we can be replying by typing it back to you guys. Oh, that, that, yes. that means I can't walk away? Well, I mean, you could walk away, but then you're going to be div- losing fans because you're not replying to them. Okay, well, I guess I can't walk away. <laughs> and everyone, without further ado, here is the interview with Matt Sakaris. Welcome to the Hugh Sports Podcast. A long time, as a long time listener of uh, this gentleman, Matt Sakaris of Sakaris and Price, formerly of uh, Sakaris and Price on TSN. But now you can find them everywhere digitally, anywhere you can find your podcast, whether that be Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere. Um, Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time. Kevin, thank you for the uh, thank you for the invite. More than happy to join you. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you too. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy Thanksgiving Day weekend. Did you do your show today? We did. Yeah, we did. Um, we knew this was the roster deadline oh, for right. the NHL, um, so we knew we'd have a big news piece there as well. Also, Lions and Caps were coming off some pretty big games with pretty big stakes this weekend. So, yeah, we have uh, in the past, and we'll continue to do so, have have put together some special Evergreen shows for, for holidays. But, you know, this one, we thought there was enough news at hand there that we really ought to go in and do this one day of. So, yeah, we did it this morning. Yeah, you could definitely do a five-hour show just with the Canucks and Lions. Yeah. Then, yeah, for sure. Uh, well, speaking of some of that news from Canucks land, um, they announced a trade. I think that was Sunday afternoon, Sunday Sunday mid morning, of uh, acquiring Lafferty. Um, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on on that sort of move, and what do you think it means for some of the pieces? Well, it sounds like he's a pretty useful player, or at least can be a a pretty useful player. Um, he's a bigger right shot. And um, they could certainly use some right-handed help in the face-off circle. And this guy can take the draw and or play play center as well. He's a penalty killer. And uh, we all know their struggles on the penalty kill the last two years. So that's, um, you know, that's helpful. Although I must say their penalty kill in preseason was probably one of the, one of the standout areas of the club. Um, you know, I guess, so look, he, he could be a useful player. I guess the question is, you're once again trading out draft picks to fix the margins of the roster. Is he that much better than Jack Stadnika and Nils Hoaglander and the sort of guys who are going to lose out on playing time um, because of this acquisition? It's yet another contract and more money towards the books, although they have done a pretty nifty job of once again setting the opening night roster and maximizing or coming close to maximizing that LTIR space that they've been handed by by Tucker Pullman. And um, yeah, uh, look, uh, there, there's reason to criticize this trade. If you want to criticize this trade, at some point, the Vancouver Canucks are going to have to develop their own fourth liners and third pair defensemen and not have to go out and buy it on the trade market and buy it with draft picks. But in the here and now, especially with the stakes of this season, absolutely needing a big start and knowing that you've got to get Elias Pettersson resigned by the end of the year, competitiveness matters more so than it ever has before. And, you know, this is a team that's been mostly trying and failing to get to the playoffs year to year. This is the year that they certainly have to succeed. One, well, especially with the, the Patterson question coming forward, what is, what can you define success by for the Canucks in, in, if Matt Sakaris was running the team and said, this is what success is. What would that look like? 
Well, in the in, like in the bigger picture, it would be be a Stanley Cup contender. Now we're a long <laughs> ways from that. So if you're going to force me to go lily pad to lily pad, step by step to getting to that, then this year would be to make the Stanley Cup playoffs. But this year would also be to get Elias Pettersson resigned long term. Um, if you're not going to get Elias Pettersson resigned long term, then you need to execute a hell of a trade here. Uh, and I suspect we're going to do, you know, a sort of trade where you get a volume of assets back for Elias. And then the question is going to be, you know, are those are those right now assets, are those future assets? And finally, the Vancouver Canucks do a, a proper rebuild. But, you know, before we get there and that's the season going south, you've got the competitiveness of this season and how long can you stay in it? Can you stay above that playoff line? And ultimately in April, are you going to be one of the 16 teams competing for Stan the Stanley Cup? So, you know, I, I think everybody is aware that the pressure is on this year in a way that it wasn't last year. And that perhaps even wasn't in the years preceding when not a lot of people expected competitive clubs. And also when you didn't necessarily have the star power that the, you had to convince to stay here, the story that's, you know, shaping up with Elias. Do you think he wants to stay here or what will yes. it take for him to stay here? Yes. Yes. I think he wants to stay here. Nice. I don't think hockey players want to necessarily rock the boat. It does seem like Swedes seem to nest wherever they go. They're happy to stay and resign. Um, but I also think he needs a more functional franchise than he has seen in his five years. I mean, we can go down the list and check you know, check off all the different events that have ha happened with this hockey team since he's been here. And one of the events that hasn't happened at all, at least not in its purest 16-team form, is the Stanley Cup playoffs. He's gotten into a postseason in the bubble with an expanded field. He has not been in the Stanley Cup playoffs with a home game at Rogers Arena and everything that that entails i mean that's what hockey players live for right those cauldrons of of uh noise and of atmosphere that the stanley cup playoffs bring and the vancouver canucks have not had one of those um gosh since going back to when bo horvat was a young player so <laughs> it's been when a while when uh, was it last time was it 2012 yeah, it was, no it was 2000 and uh uh it was 2015 16. okay us in the first round of the Stanley uh, to the right. Flames. See, I always go back to 2000. Um, yeah, one of those two years. Um, I always go back to 2011 because it was kind of a special year for Jake and I. Um, he was just turned 18, actually. Just turned 18 for the run. Yeah, said it was a, of course, we're out in Alberta. So at 18, um, he, he could have a beer or two while watching a game. It was, <laughs> it was a good time. Uh, but, and I mean, especially with someone like uh, PD, who seems to be a very competitive player, someone who takes media comments and, and criticism, I wouldn't say poorly, but he takes it with a, with a bit of an attitude. Like he's got an edge to him, which I really enjoy personally, yep. but giving him home playoff games and letting him live in that atmosphere, what do you, do you think that would change his opinion of, of everything? Like if we got made the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm change the history do you think a contract gets signed or do you think he still waits and wants to see the organization be more functional well i think i think money uh i think money matters as well and yeah. um just incidentally it was the 14 15 playoffs forgive me it's uh <laughs> it wasn't top of mind there um 
No, I think the money matters in a big way. Um, next year, the salary cap is going up significantly. Um, I think there's a school of thought that there could be a lot more money available to not only Elias, but other star players who are up, have their contract up next year. Um, the Vancouver Canucks still controls rights for one more year. Right. And so, you know, the latest information, um, you know, that we've been able to ascertain is that the Canucks haven't quite gotten to the point where they're offering a percentage of next year's cap, which of course would be a lot more money than what we have right now uh, with yet another pretty close to dead cap for what a third or fourth straight year. So, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think the money's a big, big part of this, but, you know, also I think, you know, number one, if the Canucks haven't hit his, his magic number yet, and number two, they continue to be dysfunctional. Well, then you've got, you know, your answers in terms of whether or not Elias wants to stay here, but, you know, negotiation is a, um interesting art all sorts of things can happen between now and when his contract is up if the vancouver connects do want to play it out for two more years um which i certainly wouldn't advise but i guess they would have that that quiver available available to them and um you know of course uh, let's see what kind of information we get from this season both in terms of elias and, and where his point totals go to and the Vancouver Canucks and whether or not they finally have enough uh, finally have enough good players um you know to stick in the playoff race for more than six weeks so we'll see it's, it's a big big year here though now you're um in contact with the Canucks on a daily basis have you seen a big change with Tockett coming in compared to years previous with coach changes seems like yeah. every other day well, I, I, I've certainly seen a change in terms of the identity of the team right now is Rick Talkin. You know, I'm not sure they have an identity on the ice. I'm not sure they've had an identity on the no. ice. But Rick Talkin, if he brings nothing else, is identity. And I think Rick Talkin is right now the embodiment of that identity. And that is a push to playing more responsible, responsible hockey, more structured hockey. Uh, hockey where habits, practice habits, and effort level and things like that have standards. Now, a lot of this is nebulous stuff. It's hard to define. Some of it is uh, um, reduced to things like wall work and board battles. We love the alliteration of that. A heavier form of hockey or a lower event form of hockey may be other ways to describe it. And that's because Rick Tockett has come in here and understood that the Canucks haven't been near good enough defensively for several years yes. to be sort of a competitive contending team. You know, like sure enough, there are some nights with that level of talent that you can go out there and they're going to be great and you're going to outscore your opposition. But if you can't win 3-1 games, if you can't win, you know, 2-1 games late, um, hold that lead, um, then that's a problem, and you're going to give up way too many points points over the course of an NHL season, and you're going to find yourself on the outside looking in. So, um, look, uh, I, I think this is a change that the Vancouver Canucks have tried before and failed at. A lot of that had to do with the personnel. You look at the team this year, there are still personnel issues, but at least now you have a competent third-line center. At least now you have some more competent penalty-killed defensemen. So, you know, I think the feeling here is they have better a better chance this year to be that team make that tra transition play that kind of hockey 
than they have for many, many years. And a lot of it has to do with the, let's call it the forcefulness of head coach Rick Talkin. Well, nice word, <laughs> forcefulness. <laughs> well, and uh, Coach Talkin was very big on uh, summer workouts. People have to be working out, come into shape. And I think in his, from my opinion anyways, or what I've seen, his training camp really focused on that. Um, mm -hmm. Focused on a lot of board battle drills, a lot of mechanics, yeah. and a lot of building things step up. What's the biggest difference you've seen from Rick Tockett's training camp comparative to the one we saw with Bruce Boudreau and then the years past with Travis Green? Uh, there was a lot more experimentation going on with line combinations and defense pairings. And that's because I just don't think Rick Tockett and his staff had any set in stone ideas about who was going to play in, with who, or at least if they did, they were a little, uh, um, they were a little more flexible than some of those other coaches that you mentioned. And so we had a scenario even going into Friday where for the first time, all training camp long, Quinn Hughes and Philip Ronick were put together on a defense pair. And that's sort of like, you know, as we joked last week, you know, that's the mega powers. That's Hogan and Savage teaming up. Their best, <laughs> best right-hander available. It didn't look like it was something that ever was going to be given a chance. Many fans counted that sort of pairing out. And then, uh, you know, lo and behold, in a McMahonian twist of fate, here came here came the number one and the number two lefty and righty defenseman on the same pair on Friday. So, you know, Tockett has said, <clears throat> excuse me, Tockett has said that he's going to go with the committee on defense, that it's going to have to get used to playing with each other. And, you know, the, the interpretation there is how many guys will wind up rolling through the Quinn Hughes pair because, you know, he's going to play the better, the better part of half the game or close to it for the Vancouver Canucks on a lot of nights. So yeah, we, uh, every time we thought we had talk it figured out this training camp, whether it was a forward combination or a defense pairing, there seemed to be another curveball. And, you know, frankly, given the health of the team and Carson Susie going down on Friday and he's going to miss the opener as well, Ilya Mikheyev. And, uh, you know, we're, we, we may well be surprised again on opening <laughs> in terms of how he lines them up. Well, and with Carson Soucy being out, how big an effect do you think that has, to especially trickle down on the defense? Massive, massive. They were already asking what some would say is a third pair defenseman to play up the lineup and play first or second pair. And now you're now, looking at tweeners jumping up to play really, that role. Or honestly, um, so you know, we finally felt like oh, Tyler Myers could be appropriately slaughtered on a third pair. Looks like Tyler Myers is going to have to play. You know top pair or second pair minutes uh, while Susie's out. Uh, Ian Goal is going to be asked to play bigger minutes, particularly since he's a lefty. I would suspect that, like I said, Quinn Hughes is going to play nearly half the game. And if Ronick gets close to that, you know, well, that wouldn't surprise me as well. Then, you know, it, what's really interesting is they carry Christian Willannon, Guillaume Brisebois, and Noah Juleson through to the final preseason game. Having already said, Akito Hiroshi, we think you're just a little too light and got to work up a little more strength to be more of an NHL player. Uh, Breezeball gets hurt, hasn't played. Well, Lennon gets demoted, and this could just well be the the cap situation and how closely they cut it, as we talked about earlier. And now Akito Hiroshi, you're up and probably in the opening night lineup alongside Noah Juleson. So, 
Yeah, um, it has been quite a whirlwind uh, with the defense pairings right from the opening day of training camp. And um, I suspect uh, I suspect that we may see all sorts of different um, uh, pairings tomorrow and, and thus uh, making true the whole notion of it's going to be a committee. Yeah. Uh, I think this committee might be forced on them by the injury more so <laughs> than by design as he was trying to frame it earlier. Well, is there any other defense uh, that can play at Hughes's um, level of minutes? Can they play that many minutes? I mean, I think Kronick would be the only one. Yeah. Uh, and, and even that is asking a lot of him uh, based on how he's been used in the past. So, yeah, I, I think they're going to have to lean on Quinn Hughes early in the season, and they need everybody else who's fill, uh, filling in here um, to be competent. You know, just, you know, the Vancouver Canucks don't want to have to outscore teams this year. And part of that is the defense score being better than it has. And then, of course, the last line of defense is, you know, hope and pray that Thatcher Demko, you know, can bail you out if, in fact, you do have issues because of a lack of personnel, particularly if that lack of personnel is on the blue line and the mistakes are coming in your own end. Um, I have one question here coming from our viewers. I uh, announced we announced last week. Uh, I'm sure you saw that yeah. you're going to be on the show. Um, the one question I got here that I thought was really good was, if one Canucks player was to win an NHL award this year, and who, and what award? Yeah, uh, Elias Pettersson Selkie Trophy. Oh, and I say that because um, Patrice Bergeron has now retired. So he can be generous and start loaning it out to others. <laughs> that award. Um, and, and so now we're looking for a new uh, uh, a new defensive forward whom we love. Now, I'm not necessarily sure Elias has enough of the equity built up because this does seem to be a career achievement award to some degree. Um, but I do think there's broad recognition that he's a terrific defensive forward. And of course, last year, he not only played the penalty kill, but he scored a bunch of shorthanded goals, which I think very much helped uh, his reputation. Uh, he's often compared to, in terms of the way he plays, Pavel Datsuk. And so I think that is probably a friendly comparison when you're talking about Selkie Trophy awards. I do suspect he will continue to play penalty kill this year, although um, perhaps not be leaned on quite as heavily as he was last year, or at the very least has more people around him who can... Yeah kill penalties compared to to previous seasons so look I, I you know i think there's a school of thought that thatcher demko would be a good candidate for the vesna this year because if the canucks are good Demko's going to have to stand on his head and that probably elevates his candidacy and, and i think you know that's that's probably fair if the canucks are good um i think queen hughes has a channel to the norris but i think it's a thinner channel just because i don't think people realize how good a defender he is and there's just so many tremendous defensemen out there. And if, you know, the Kale McCars of the world stay healthy, that's going to be a tough guy to beat. So, yeah, give me, a, give me. I mean, I guess Elias has an outside shot at the Art Ross. I think he finished top 10 in league scoring last year. But I think it's uh, Elias as a defensive forward that's going to start getting a lot of notice around the league and uh, with a, a less certain winner in that category. Let's say that. Very cool. Um Let's jump to the Lions. Let's let's switch switch mm -hmm. sports here. Your thoughts, Winnipeg game, terrific yeah. game. Not the outcome we wanted. Well, 
What, what, what I would say, and uh, I mentioned this to a friend on Saturday, is uh, win or lose that game, and the Lions certainly blew it. I mean, they were up 10 in the fourth quarter. You should close that game out. Yes. What I'll say is I'm loving the fact that we have games like that again. Yes. In Vancouver and at BC Place. I love the narrative that is at hand for November where, you know, the Lions probably think they're right there and maybe even think they're a better team than Winnipeg. But until you prove it, they haven't proved it yet. Uh, <laughs> the the man. Right? Like the, they're right there with the Bombers and the Bombers just are, seem a little bit better right now. They played a, a, a heck of a game last year in the playoffs and, and, and we'll see if BC on the second knock around in the Manitoba capital can get it done this year. So, and then the other thing I like about it is, you know, uh, so long as Zach Calero stays healthy, I, I think we're looking at a heck of a rivalry here for a couple of years onwards yet. Yes. Uh, because I think both teams have pretty good quarterbacking and pretty stable operations, head coach, GM, player procurement, um, you know, not to mention some great surrounding players are, uh, around their two good quarterbacks. So I love, I mean, somewhere Cal Murphy must be smiling down on this, his <laughs> CFL franchise and his hometown, Vancouver, in a uh, what is a, a terrific rivalry in the CFL West. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to what lies ahead between the Lions and Bombers. And I, I guess I'm surprised in the manner they won the football game on Friday, but I'm not surprised that a Winnipeg team with the pedigree that it has was fighting to the last whistle and for the last inch and was able to to force that comeback and they've done that i mean they've yeah. done that all year they know um, how to win they know they how do. to win Kevin. it's um, and that's i mean that's a key to a good game or a good team is knowing how to win oh i mean unquestionably and i mean just look at the stability uh, of management coaching staff quarterback downwards yes. in Winnipeg it's been excellent and then look at the number of big games they've been in over the last four or five years so yeah um they are the team that you know has been there done that and the Lions are the team that's trying to do that so I, I look I think it's gonna be a lot of fun uh I sure hope BC is able to get through the West semifinal and of course they're not clinched yet but everyone suspects that you know, it is going to be uh, the West Final in Winnipeg. And, and I hope we see another hell of a game, um, you know, because frankly, last year's game and uh, brought me back a little bit to, you know, when I was um, first started covering the Lions, when I moved out here to Vancouver in the mid-aughts, 2007, when Wally was here and they had great teams, but it also yes. brought me back even, you know, further in my youth when you had some terrific rivalries in the CFL West that used to play out on West Final Sunday. Uh, and the Lions and Bombers certainly took their turns being one of those two teams. So uh, I'm just delighted to see. Uh, I'm just delighted to see two quality football teams. Let's face it. I mean, offense, defense, special teams. There's not a lot lacking with no. these teams. They've got good players across the board, and for the most part, they play pretty disciplined, uh, physical, fundamental football. So it's been fun watching them, and I want to see more of them. I'm trying to convince Jake to drive down to uh, BC Place for the Western semifinal, but he's a little leery to drive down with his dad. Well, last time, last time we did that, <laughs> we were driving and we hit a snowstorm, right. like a complete whiteout. Yeah, and it was us two, my mom at the and my sister, 
-hmm. and my sister passed out in the back seat and my dad driving I don't know where we were, honestly, not even a clue on the road. Rogers and he pass. just Rogers yeah. Pass. Yeah, it's always Rogers Pass now. <laughs> <It is. laughs> and he just yells out, We're all gonna die. And my sister, without missing a beat, asleep, woke up and was like, I would have liked to die in my sleep, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's an adventure. Come on. It is quite an adventure at this time of year. Yes. yes. <laughs> we're actually uh my girlfriend and I are flying down for the last game of the season. Uh, meeting up with Arlan Bruce the third and heading in and watching the Calgary BC game. She's a big Stamps fan, of course, um, being yeah. here. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be a good one. Um, we'll see if it means anything. Probably not. I Probably think, not. <laughs> no, I think not. Um, but good to hear Arlen's name. Uh, Arlen's name. I hope he's doing well. I've seen his son is a, a player down in the yeah. NC2A, so if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And, um, I, I just I hope he still has those loonies and toonies ready to go <laughs> here here in Vancouver. We used to have some fun with Arland and his loonies and toonies song. That's um, awesome. So I'll have to ask him about that yeah, when I please, see him. He's giving my best. <laughs> I will do that. Now, Matt, before we let you go, and again, I appreciate you taking time out on your Thanksgiving Monday to to come uh, entertain us. But I pulled it up here. Dom decisions predictions for the Canucks is 92.4 points. There's yeah. a 52% chance to make the playoffs. Are you yeah. taking the over or are you taking the oh, under? That's a, so what a great way to ask the question, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> guy, what a way to ask the question, huh? Um, was it 92 and a half? Yeah, 92 and a half. So here, here's what I'll say, and it's a bit of a cop-out, but that prediction or that model, I believe, was constructed before this Carson Soucy injury. Yes, it was. Likely with the belief that Ilya Mikheyev was going to be healthy and ready to go from, from the jump. So if that model is a little off on the high side, I wouldn't be surprised because I think those two guys are quite important and quite important to their penalty kill yes. early in the season. And you guys may have heard they, they start the season with a home-and-home a with the Oilers. So if you're going to not have penalty killers in the lineup, it's a particularly difficult assignment to have Edmonton back to back to start your season. Um, not to mention a five game Eastern road trip after you're done in Edmonton on the opening Saturday night through the Florida clubs. And so, yeah, I, uh, if, if I'm betting with the knowledge we know now, it's going to be under that 92 and a half. No, that's fair. And what is what is that cutoff to make the playoffs? What point? Well, it, it varies from year to year. Uh, 92 would be a particularly thin year. I mean, you, yeah. you know, you're not getting in with much less than 92 ever. Um, more usually in the 95, 96 range. Yes. So, yeah. So 92 is a little low, but, you know, who knows? This year may shake out a little bit differently i mean the one thing i think we're looking at this year in the west is um <clears throat> chicago arizona san jose and anaheim like last year as we watched the canucks fail we said okay they're really stinking bad but can they be as bad as arizona chicago san jose or anaheim like it was just <laughs> honest to goodness like it was this four pack of just dreadful 
horrible in the well, like horrible teams. And and frankly, I thought Arizona overachieved last year. <laughs> um, so you know, we're sitting there watching the standings and watching the lottery odds and going, man, North Vancouver's Connor Bedard when he looked great as a Vancouver Canuck. But can you really lose enough to out odds? You know, some of the teams that we saw at the at the low end of the Western Conference standings. So if those teams are a little better and steal some points from some of the better teams in the Western Conference, then maybe you have something that breaks the Canucks way. I mean, he, heck, even Seattle was a 100-point team. Yeah. Like, I I believe only Winnipeg missed 100 points and got into the the Western Conference playoffs. So, you know, we'll see how it it goes this year. Um, You know, the other thing that I think not not enough people in BC are talking about is that Calgary lost 31 goal games last year, if I'm not mistaken, which is just like out of this world, nearly half your schedule. You lost a one goal game. I'm a bigger believer in Jake Markstrom than what we saw last year. I wouldn't be a little, I wouldn't be at all surprised if Calgary is better in one goal games and frankly, just better because Daryl Sutter is gone. So, you know, if you're the Canucks, you have to leapfrog them. You have to leapfrog Nashville. They finished ahead of you. And you have to leapfrog Winnipeg, who, lo and behold, signs their goaltender and their star centerman today to matching contracts and creates that sort of stability, removes that narrative or quote-unquote distraction that I think uh, some of us were looking for with the Jets this year. So it's going to be interesting. I do think the Canucks have a fighting chance. But no, I don't think the odds are in their favor. Well, the- as a lifelong Canuck fan, I remember 1970, I was six years old, sitting in the basement of my East Vancouver home, my parents' home, watching the very first game. This is the best part of this. Se- this is the best time of the season because any team could make it. Yeah. And, and, you know, Wednesday night, the anticipation you know, for that puck dropping, and the first real hockey shift of the year is fantastic. So, you know, can't wait to see, you know, almost feels like Christmas opening up the presents. Can't wait to see what the presents look like here starting tomorrow, I guess, with Bedard versus Crosby uh, in the first uh, that's going. And then of course on Wednesday when the Canucks get going themselves. Awesome. Well, Matt, thank you so much. Hopefully we can touch base midway through the season and see where the Canucks are sitting and see if we change our, have changed our tunes at all. Happy to guys, Jake, Kevin, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Thank you it. so much, Matt. And everyone, if you are not listening to Scarce and Price everywhere you can, you are missing out because it is some of the best uh, content if you're a Vancouver fan of any sport, but also just sports fan in general because cover everything from the Canucks to Lions, including some golf odds and keeps me in tune with all sorts of different things. So, uh, Matt, I, I appreciate you um as a professional because it's just been super great to listen to you over the last what you and blake have been doing it for 10 years now uh 12 12 yeah it'll be 12 (laughs) our first show was the day after the lions won the great cup at home here in 2011 against winnipeg against winnipeg yes so you know here we are uh, that was the year we drove down. Finally, the Lions are competitive again, and the Canucks are inching their way to <laughs> Thanks for the time, guys. Have a great thank day. You so, thank you so much, Matt. Have a th- great Thanksgiving. What oh. a great interview that was. The old man, you could almost caught him there snoring a little bit. 
Um, but what were your big takeaways from speaking with Matt? Wow. That was my big takeaway. Wow. Yeah. What a fountain of information as I just, uh, commented on the, in the chat there. Um, you can ask him anything and he can talk like knowledgeably about the subject, especially when it comes to the Canucks, of course. Um, yeah, no, I thought it was, I, I pat ourselves on the back. I think it was our best interview that we've had on the show um, for what we do, covering the Canucks uh, and the Lions. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I thought it was great. No, I, I had a blast. I mean, I stumbled over my words only at the beginning at the very end. So it was perfect. You know, I, I didn't struggle through the questions just at the beginning of the conversation, at the end of the conversation. So it was perfect. You know, and there's a, there was that one point where you said your Do I don't need to be bad. <laughs> don't need to talk about that. But I was laughing so hard. As we are heading into the first week, we're two days away. So excited. We are two days away from the puck dropping of the 2024-2025 NHL season for the Vancouver Canucks. What are your predictions? We asked Matt what his predictions were in a roundabout way. What are your predictions, old man? What do you? Where do you see the team finishing? And I don't need you because I know you're not big on like how many points no. and everything like that. But just tell me what I you think, think they're finishing. Once again, the Canucks are going to be a mediocre team. And they're going to finish mediocrely, missing the playoffs by five points. Five points. You think they're going to be five points out? Yeah. Sorry, I'm looking at the chat. What is Brandon talking about? That's not the Brent, WNBA. Remember uh, earlier this morning, if you guys saw it before I deleted the tweet where Brandon decided to go rogue on it, he put the talking about the WNBA on there. Oh, okay. That's yeah, he's trying, yeah he's trying to be funny. Dumbass. Um... <laughs> Remember when I said I was going to be like optimistic and positive? Oh God, he's is he? Oh, here we go. It's not. Even I predict today, not even in the season yet. I predict. He predicts. We finish top three in the Pacific. Now, lots of lots of reactions might just be like that, and I and I hope I hope we have a lot of reactions like that. Top three in the Pacific. What you been saying? Let me give you the teams that are going to be ahead of us. Obviously, the Las Vegas Golden Noodles. They'll be they'll be number one. Number two will be the Edmonton Oilers. Those two will be swapped around. And then I believe the Canucks. So I think very highly of Rick Tockett's defensive system. And I think with this defensive system, we're going to see we're not going to see those seven to eight games that we lose or the the 12 point games going either way. We're going to see 2-1, 3-1 wins, 1-1 like ties, a lot of overtime. I think it's going to be a very for us fans, I think it might be boring, but results-wise I think it will be great. And I believe our star power in Patterson, Besser, Miller, Hughes, Demko, Heronic and our upgraded depth, our third and fourth line depth, is going to put us above the LA Kings because I think they were a flash in the pan last year. I think that was a that was the Canucks when we made the playoffs in the bubble in the bubble year. So they have they're they're definitely dropping off. You have Seattle, who I think they lost a lot of pieces. They lost a lot of their depth, and that's what made them great was that 
they had one top line and three second lines. And now you look at it, they have one top line and three third lines. You've got I, Calgary, who I just don't believe in. Well, you, but that's, you're not looking at it logically when it comes to Calgary because your hatred, your outright, I you just, you're I think, an irrational fan when it comes to Calgary Flames. I think Calgary has has the potential to be a have a top ten goaltender in the league, but they don't have any star. Name one star player on on I the can't. Flames that's close you, to Hughes or Patterson. You know I can't. You can't. <laughs> To the fans out there, to to people watching who know these named players, you've got Huberdo. Yeah, that's great. That's a solid second liner on a on a cup winning team. I'm sorry, he is, and you I'm not saying the Canucks are a cup winning team. You just hate the Flames. I don't hate the Flames. You do hate the Flames. You call them the Flukes. They are the Flukes. <laughs> I also call Vegas the Golden Noodles. I, I, to be fair, I hate the, the, the Golden Knights, but that's for a whole nother reason. No. And then you've got San Jose. You've got Arizona. Those are not teams that are going to be competing for a playoff position. So really, it's it's a three-way race for that third position. And I think Thatcher, Demko, Hughes, and Pedersen puts that puts those puts the team that team ahead of um Calgary. And the Kings. I think it's going to be Edmonton, then the Noodles, then uh, uh, Seattle, then the Flames, then us. I think the Flames are going to come on um, this year um, to prove that Sutter was the issue. You have a lot of players there that are still there. And um, yeah, Brandon says, name a superstar in Seattle. And they finished above. They still finished above us. Um, so yeah, I'm picking him in fifth. Matt, Matty Beneers, Brandon, sorry to throw. Matty Beneers is a superstar. There you go. Um, so I'm picking fifth and then, I mean, the rest of them falling below that, but does fifth get us into a playoff? Nope. Well, to be fair, fifth, fifth could get you into a wildcard spot, but I don't think fifth in the Pacific is getting into a wildcard spot. No, me neither. Me neither. Um, But the cool thing is. Anything's possible. We, you could. Any team like, has all the teams right now have the exact same opportunity to win the cup. Well, unless you're Arizona, then really it's yeah. There's still zero zero though. Everybody's the same record. No, Arizona starts in a hole. They're like zero zero <laughs> zero and one. They get they get one loser point just for like, and they're, they're minus they're minus one point. Chicago probably gets uh, probably like no. That's just. That's just ethics points. They're, they're negative in the ethics uh, community. How do you think they're going to do with Bedard? The team itself, I don't think, is going to be great. You think Bedard's going to score a lot of points? I th- Someone has to on that team. Yeah. <laughs> and really, like, you, and uh, I was talking about it with Brandon um, in, in chat there. We do a fantasy league every year. And someone chose Nerd Bedard. Hockey. Someone chose Bedard in the second round of that draft, which I thought was really high because he's on Chicago. He's a shitty, it's a shitty team this year. They're, yeah. they're not expected to win anything. No. But someone has to score those points. Arizona, someone's going to score points. It's not going to be a shutout every single game. These yeah. are, even though we view it and say these teams are terrible and these are bad, put them on a rink with any of us normies and they, these guys, the, uh, an AHLer is going to make us look silly. 
Well, you got to remember, it's the like less than one percent get into the it's, NHL. There's it's the one percent of the one percent. They're talented, talented hockey players. So, Brandon says until Bedard gets hurt, stop it! Don't put that stuff in the universe, Brandon. Nope. You know better than that. Anything's possible. Look, it's, anything, especially when you are the only guy on the team, you're gonna have the, the big defenseman. You're gonna have the big forward just leaning on you all game. Oh yeah, your body's not used to that. You're not used to an 82 game season. True that. But I think, yeah, no, I think I'm shocked that I am the most positive person out of both myself, yourself, and uh, Matt. That I yeah, think Matt agreed with me. Team. It sounded like Matt was. He's, yes, but he was picking below 92 and a half percent. And if you guys want, do want to listen, if you guys do want to listen to his uh, picks, he is going to be making his actual picks and full predictions tomorrow's show on Sakaris and Price. Now, the reason he laughed so hard at Jake's question was before we went live, he said, don't ask me to pre- any predictions because we're doing them on our show tomorrow. So I, that's why I worded the question the way I did. And the why you said I worded my question. You could just right. see him. He was just like, oh, you little son of a bitch. Look, sometimes well you got to ask. Sometimes you have to ask the questions. So let's talk some football. Well, before we talk some football, oh. let's talk HughSports.ca. You can check oh. us out, HughSports.ca. We should be having articles posted there every week, but it's been crazy. I've been so swamped doing... Uh, football, the old man has been sick. It's just been a chaotic time. So I'm going to try to commit an article up on Friday with a review of the first game, opening night roster for the Canucks. That is all I can commit to right now because I have a very, very busy week coming up with football. Can I write an article and just swear through the whole article at uh, Bomber fans? You can do whatever you want. It's our website. <laughs> I might have to like bleep out some of the words or change some of the like some of the wording to not get us like blacklisted from Google, but we can make it work. Have we had a more boring football week in the CFL than we had this week? We had one fun game and that's it. Like literally, I'm looking at the scores on all the other ones and not one. I watched them all. I watched every single game. And I actually turned off the Toronto game. I turned off the Ticats game and I turned off the Red Blacks game and I should have turned off the BC Lions game, but I didn't. Well, let's, so let's jump into it again. This week was uh, quite interesting. It was just a very interesting week. I clicked the buttons. You look at the chat. We had the Edmonton Elks going into Toronto, losing to a score of 35 to 12. And it just back to reality for the Elks. I think, um, I still think Trey Ford is a, is a fantastic quarterback and Edmonton can be up on the up and up. Toronto's just that good. Did you see the Smurf Mafia come unglued on Toronto? Because um, they, they played all their first string stringers against the Elks and they were, they were cowards. That's what they're calling them. Cowards not playing them against Winnipeg. I was call, just can, laughing so hard. You can call them cowards. You can call them anything you want. Winnipeg has video footage of of the first stringers. They have no first-hand experience against them. And they won. None. Zero. Zilch. It's the smartest decision. I'm making a prediction later. Remind me about that one. Okay. Um, so this game, it was, it, it was what it was expected to be. Uh, Toronto yeah. um, literally scored at will when they wanted to. 
And I mean, the Elks looked like they were a class below. Yes. Um, and that's something that's really been evident this year in the CFL. And something yeah. I actually wanted to talk on is that there's kind of your, your top tier teams and then everyone else. And it's, I don't remember a time it's been that way. I, you know what? I'm t- twice your age almost. Ooh, that's scary to think. Um, and I don't remember it being this bad any other like, time I that remember, I can think of. I remember for years, it was always the West was really strong and the East was weak or vice versa. But you'd never have three teams elite and then the remaining six, six just in messes. No, I mean, I, I went through the whole Edmonton um, Eskimos being the top team for decades um, that's what you call a dynasty, by the way. Um, but nothing like this year. This year, it's just like you say, it's Toronto, Winnipeg, BC, and then, and then everybody else. else. And there's a right? huge, there's a step between everyone else. Don't get me wrong. The Bombers, the Argonauts, and the Lions have all lost teams below that. And that's why we play those games. But it just feels like there's that level of separation on an organizational level. It's true. It is true. Then we get... To the fun game, the game that I should not have turned on. So the Blue Bombers come into BC Lions, and with going into the fourth quarter, the Lions were up by 10, ended up losing by a score of 26 to 34 in overtime. Yeah, that's overtime, though. So is they, they lost by one. That's that's not how that works. I know, but they should show it 27-26 because it was overtime. Just my opinion. Um. So the reason I say I should never have turned on, I, as I realized uh, in a panic last week on the show, you could see the panic in my eyeballs, I had a game to officiate. The game got done, and I got into my car after our pre-debriefing and everything. I got into my car at 8, 12 p.m. Mountain Time. I turned on the radio to listen to it and uh, got to listen to Bob Marjanovich and Terrible With Names. And what's his name? Give me, give me the name, old man. I'm, I don't know what you're talking about. Sorry. The 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 play by the color and oh, uh, Julio Caravetta. Thank you for the first half of the game. And I turn on the radio, and as I turn on the radio, it's literally um, Flintoff getting back to kick the ball for the opening kickoff. Couldn't have been planned more perfectly to listen to. And then driving home, I couldn't have asked for a more perfect start to that game. Oh. Just and great. then I get home just as the as the third quarter starts. And I turn on the TV to turn on TSN. And that's where things start to unravel for the Lions. They, I mean, obviously Winnipeg, I mean, BC dominated in the first uh, quarter or the first half. Um, went into the dressing room with a 10-point lead. I don't know if um, they came out flat or Winnipeg actually made some adjustments to their we did nothing like i don't i didn't even look to see what their total yardage was in the second half but it was so freaking pathetic there was so So, many errors at the end of the game i thought for sure i was going to end up in hospital having a heart attack so the the biggest decision that i want to talk about is third down and a yard and a half it was a it was a full yard. It was a long I, yard. I want to say it was a yard and a, like it was a long yard. It was a long um, yard. 
Um, and instead of punting the ball away, the Lions try for it. I get why you try for it. Now, at the moment, my first thought is, let's go, let's do it. But what are they doing? Then they don't get it, and it's just like, you could feel the momentum shift. There was we, The Lions had no momentum to begin with, and you could just feel whatever drabs of hope we had eliminated from that play. What? I mean, it's third and if it's third and... We, had to, we haven't been moving the ball the whole entire half of the game. There's yeah. a minute 30 left, minute 28 at yeah. that point. And we're, and we're at the 45-yard line? We're about midfield. Yeah. We're close to midfield. Kick the effing ball. Kick it so, so freaking hard. I mean, you have, what's his name, kicking a mile and a half. Kick the ball and make Winnipeg earn it. Do you? Earn. So, so. My that was my first thought was pin them deep, yes. but try to get the ball to bounce out at the one yard line or in the in the five. Now, there's another option you had here, and I thought about it earlier today while th- re- while reliving that game that moment. You kick that ball through that goddamn end zone. Well, that's what I'm talking about, you right? Put, you you give you put up that one. My thought always was punt that ball, put it on the in the within the five, make them march the whole field. They've only got a minute twenty. Kick it through the end half. zone. Kick it through the end zone. You get yourself that one point. You now made yourself an eight-point lead. Even if they score a touchdown, they have to su- successfully do. It was because oh, we were up by three. Was only three, be- so would have they would have had to score a touchdown, not a field goal. That's what it was. Yes. They would have had to score, so they smart they end up marching it down, kick a field goal with no time left on the clock. No. Oh no, they kick a field. They kick the field goal with a bunch of time left on the clock. Eighteen seconds left on the clock. That's right. I I totally forgot about this. I blocked this part out of my memory. So then we um, run it back. We we still have 15 seconds left. Rhymes, I know you're not listening, but if someone sends this to you, learn our game. Neil. So fall down. It, fall no matter how. Down. You're on the 30-yard so, line. It's guaranteed we win the game. But, okay, so as a player, you're not going to know how much time's left on that clock. You catch that ball and your first thought is... Time is left on that clock. Yeah, okay, so 15 seconds. You're counting it in right? your head. As a player in a professional sport, you're counting that mother pucker in, in your head and so you're going he, 10 down. So... He right. He catches the ball, and there was about five seconds left on the clock originally. He breaks that first tackle, which, and I want to say this, and I and I hate to say it because it's giving respect, and the the Smurf Mafia fans might take this out of context. I believe that the Winnipeg player knew what he was doing and let him go. No, oh God, so, no. oh no, no, no. Oh, sorry, the second tackle, the second tackle. That first tackle, he comes in, Rhymes breaks it. That second tackle was an arm tackle like this. Dead arm. No, they, they were trying to tackle him. I don't. I watch they, it back. Watch it I'll back. I don't do think that. he was, because the other option you have, and the reason I yell, know your game. Boot that ball through the goddamn end zone. Know our game. Again, going down. I understand you. You as a because you say you're counting. That's cool. But if you you're counting and you say, okay, I got to zero. You're not going down then because someone counting in their head is never going to be perfect. You're going to be a bit fast, a bit slow. You've 
got to be aware of the clock. You had to. That that conversation in the huddle had to be get inside the 30 and kneel. Get inside the 30 and kneel. Or or catch that ball and boot it through the end zone. Those Neither are the two those are the two even, things you He didn't try. He didn't try to kick it through. It wasn't like he was he was trying to be the F and no, hero. But, no, no, but that should have been the conversation, the huddle or pre yes. The, during the commercial break or pre- before, guys, if you get that ball and you're deep and you're about to go down, boot it through the end zone because we'll get that point. Yes. Yes. I was screaming. Which would have been the most Canadian way to win a, a football game. Oh. But also, I think I would have. I think I might have ended up in hospital if we did that. But also, like, we know this. Receivers are glory hounds. They're, they're the... They're the was trying to play the hero. 100%. But ever, I don't think it's just rhymes. I think that's ninety-eight percent of the receivers who are catching oh, that ball. For sure, for sure. Right? Like you don't you don't become a wide receiver because you're humble. No, like, no. You're, Show me a you're humble. also not being a DB if you're humble. Like you have to have some sort of attitude and confidence yeah. behind yourself to be able to get to that position, even in the CFL. Ask Giroy who's the best receiver. Yeah, he'll tell you. I am. Ask ask uh, Brandon Banks who the best running back is. Ask any ask Dave Dickinson who the best quarterback ever is. He is right. It's on. You have on, to have on, that on. attitude, right? Yeah. So yes, we lost the game. Uh, went into overtime, but and the defense was so tired by the end of that game that I don't blame them. I you can't blame them. Uh, like I want to see. I wish we had advanced stats, and we barely have regular stats. So I'm not even going to ask for that. But how much time the defense was on in the second half for the for the Lions? It was insane because we did so many three and outs. It was it was nasty. It wasn't a good half of football. Um, but the Bombers didn't play a good first half of football. No, so it's not like it's not like you can go and say, "Oh, we we got beaten because we didn't play well for one half." No, we got beat because the Bombers played a better half versus our playing a better half yes definitely 100 percent. even though i hate the fans i I gotta respect that team they like i said when we were talking to matt they just know how to win that's all they do they just win and they've done it for years they just win calgary used to be the same way how many times did we go to a stamps game and just shake our heads didn't matter if they're playing the top team or the bottom team they just win and I think like that's part of it. You're just that's the way you're bred is you just win. It, it doesn't matter. Just win. When you look at uh, you, the record at the end of the year, it doesn't say you won by fifty point. Well, it says eleven and four, twelve and if five. The, if the schedule was balanced, so you'd play like all the home te- all the, your teams in the West multiple amounts of times, God. then it would matter because then point differential would be a thing. But we mm-hmm. don't have that because God forbid we expand and have a tenth team. Um, but honestly, if, if you were to watch one game of the CFL season so far, that's the game. If you want to introduce a, an American fan to the game, that's the game to do it with. I'm not, I'm not reading his comments anymore. All right. I wasn't, I wasn't asking. (laughs) I just saw you reading. So, um, then on Saturday we had Saskatchewan hosting the Hamilton Tiger Cats and losing by a score of 38 to 13. And even now, the dredges in the East are better than the dredges in the West. Even this, it's pathetic that you got a team like Saskatchewan. They've lost, I don't know, six games in a row now. I think it is. 
I don't know. I think they've lost six in a row. And they're going to make the playoffs. <laughs> How do you make the playoffs losing six in a row? Welcome to the CFL. I've five seen some row. five in a row. Yeah. I've seen some bad teams. Um, Saskatchewan looked horrible. They did nothing right. I mean, yeah, they scored 13 points, but they did nothing right. It was horrible. It was bad. It was really bad. See, and I didn't even see the game. I was out doing uh, football again because apparently that's all I do these days. Um, but I opened up the, the TSN app and saw it was like, I think at the time, 13 to 30 or something like that. And I was like, I'm not even going to bother to turn it on. Like, it's not, if it was a close game, if it was 13 to 14 or something like that, that's a completely different story. But a, a 25 point lead, it's, it's not even worth it. Um, and then we have what I will say is probably the worst team in the CFL right now. I would say professional football, but the Broncos got blown out by Miami a couple weeks ago, 70 <laughs> to like nothing. Uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks lose by a score of three in Montreal against the Alouettes to 29. That was today. That was earlier today. That was earlier today. We watched it. I totally, for honestly, I can say this wholeheartedly, totally forgot there was a game on today. Because why? It was on at 9 o'clock in the morning or 10 o'clock. It, was, in, the it was in the morning. I don't know what time it started, but yeah. Um, just not, a, I mean, again, like I said when we first started talking CFL this week, had to be the worst CFL week of the season, taking out the BC Winnipeg game. Um, every other game sucked. It really did. There was nothing worth talking about. And I'm not even going to talk about the L's 29-3. If I have to hear one more friend thingy at the watching an L's game, I'm going to go cuckoo for Cocoa no, Puffs. No, 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 no. Don't even you. Look, we're, we're getting rid of the scores here. All right, old man. Let's start yelling at the goddamn clouds. And you knew exactly what you were doing. Apparently an hour and 20 minute show isn't long enough for you. But I swear to God, if we get more people complaining about these stupid horns, what you ruin my viewing experience? You know what ruins my viewing, viewing experience? TSN. Just them talking ruins my experience half the time. You've got Matt Dunnigan, who will give you two minutes of good commentary for 58 minutes of obnoxious alcoholic rambles. Like, I could do a better job shit-faced. <laughs> and poor Farhan has to deal with it because he's, like, the new guy on the totem pole to do the play-by-play. The -play. They're like, oh, let's throw Dunnigan in there because Dunnigan's pretty good at his job. I don't know what TSN's smoking, but it's obviously the good stuff out there in Ontario. So, we have the biggest game of this season and going And don't in. get me wrong. I think Farhan as a play-by-play -play guy is great. He's very even keel. He knows what he's talking about. And then you put Dunnigan with him. But he's not seasoned. I don't think you need to be seasoned. To go to sit beside Dunnigan, you need to be seasoned. Well, no, I no, I think Dunnigan that's, I mean, you need ran to... over him the whole game. It was like it was embarrassing. Well, yeah, it's it's. I mean, Dunnigan's pickled, so I guess you have to have some seasoning to go with that. You can't say that he wasn't. I just did. It's my goddamn <laughs> show. What Our TSN's show. gonna care about it? <laughs> TSN doesn't care about the fans. The only good thing they've done in the last five years with the CFL is uh, those the review videos. And I don't even think that's TSN. I think that's CFL. 
We talked about this last week as well. You can go onto the CFL YouTube channel. Oh, the day yeah, after yeah, the yeah, game, yeah. And there's like ten, a, a 10 to 12 minute recap of the game. Someone yeah. who's very busy on the weekends this month, it's been fantastic to catch up on the games. That is true. That is true. But if people are going to complain about these goddamn horn, horns more, I'm going to start bringing them to every goddamn game. And I'm going to find where the, the parabolic microphone is. I'm just going to stand there all game. I'll buy tickets to every single stadium. I'll just sit. I'll get the. I'll. I'll get the biggest lung capacity I can go and go. Just. They're, just for those five old horns. men. Just, just no, they're the not. Horns. They're not air horns. They're not air horns. You're not allowed to bring air horns into a stadium. Oh, I've been waiting. I, literally, I was waiting. Like that, you know how watching. insane. You know how insane that is. That'd be like going into the playoffs and being like. Those white towels they're waving in the NHL playoffs, they're very distracting. They should change those. They should really change those towels because they're distracting and they they take away from my experience in watching the game in which I'm not paying to go to the game and I'm going to watch it on a television channel that I probably don't have to pay for because it's included. (laughs) Look, if this was a pay-per-view, if this was a pay-per-view thing, and I could understand it. I could understand it. But grow up! People are enjoying the game. They're making noise. Let's let's go. Let's get mad when you go to a, when you watch a wrestling event and and people are chanting different things like "This is awesome" and 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 uh, like I don't know what other chants. My brain is just. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay, I had to mute him. I had to put him on mute. <laughs> You're muted. <laughs> I was watching the game. I'm sitting there listening to the horns and I thought, oh, I'm going to get them. All I've got to say is if I have to hear one more. <laughs> Ask nine. Next week. Ask nine. <coughs> next week, you won't have to deal with it. But let's talk about the picks for next week. Let's pick next week's. Next week. Give me a second. Let's just, let's just let these roll by. Everyone can read. We're going to, if you're listening on audio podcasts, we're all going to stop for a second. We're going to do a big inhale. (laughs) You know know what's even funnier? (laughs) You did that. My entire thought process was I was going to do the inhale, outhale, and then in post, I was going to do a big big horn noise. (laughs) A (laughs) boo-boo-swillet. What this reminds me of is when you were a kid and you had your orange horn that you brought to every game. That's that's what they are. And you used to piss people off so bad with them. And then you would sit and giggle because you got somebody mad at you and you'd just be like. (laughs) Well, first off, first off, it's also because we live in Calgary. So (laughs) the Lions were the, the away team. Yes. So when I was blowing my horn, it was because. It was they, when they, everyone was like, "Ooh, we need to be quiet." Time. So I understand that too. I was a kid when he's saying I was a kid. Like I was probably the time I was like ten to oh, 16. Like yeah, probably fifteen, sixteen is probably when I I either lost the horn or stopped bringing it. But yeah, think be annoying. Mom, I think be obnoxious. <laughs> Go to a game if you're going to a game. Enjoy going to the game. If anyone has a problem with you enjoying a, a football game because you're making noise, don't go without, to a goddamn football game. Without being rude. 
You know, you're vulgar. 100%. You don't need to be rude. You don't need to be vulgar. There's no need for it. Nope. But making noise and getting loud and chirping with fans is 90% of the fun when I go to a McMahon game. Because McMahon, the experience at McMahon is terrible. So might as well find entertainment elsewhere. So, week 19, October 13th at 4 p.m. Pacific time, we have your BC Lions going in to take on the Hamilton Tiger Cats. This is a big game. Is it? For Hamilton. (laughs) Does BC sit anybody? I don't think they do. Because we got the bye at the end of the week, end of the season. You have a bye at the end of the season and and you need this game. Yes. Because you win this game, technically there is still a, a chance that Winnipeg loses out and you can take uh, home field advantage. You can win out. That's all you need. Winnipeg so, has the bye this taking, week. Taking BC. I'm taking BC as well, and I think they're going to come out with something to prove, uh, especially Vernon Adams and the offense early in that game. And yeah. then I think they might relax in the second half. Then the late game, we have a 6.30 p.m. start between the Rough Riders and the Stampeders, the Battle of the Dickinsons. Who do you got taking this crap shoot of a mud bowl game? I'm going to take Calgary. I think Saskatchewan directed on every level in every aspect of football from start to finish from the president down to the water boy. Nobody wants to be there right now. That's fair. That's fair. I'm uh, I'm going to tell you how I'm choosing my pick here. I rolled a <laughs> die and if it was, it was going to be evens and odds. Evens was Saskatchewan odds was Calgary. We got a six. So that's even. So Saskatchewan is taking is to getting the pick this week. There you go. That, that's how even and terrible I think both these teams are. And Saskatchewan's still going to make the playoffs somehow. Yeah. Then we have, so that's our Friday night doubleheader. Then we have our Saturday doubleheader. We start at a 1 p.m. game on Saturday with the Alouettes taking on the Elks in Edmonton. I think this is an Alouettes win quite handedly. Yeah. But who knows? Like the Alks are so inconsistent and... I don't know what the Owls are competing for anymore. They, they, they have. I think they've locked up home field advantage for the semi. I could be wrong on that. No, they haven't yet. They haven't yet. So no, they've locked up for a that. playoff. They've locked up a playoff spot. But, um, so it's going to be Toronto, Montreal, Hamilton, Hamilton, Montreal. Yeah. So, but I think if Hamilton, if BC wins, and the uh, and the Owls win, I think that would lock up home field. I could be wrong though. Like, I think the Owls are one or two games away from locking yes, up home field. I uh, think you're right. Advantage. Um, so, yeah, I'm taking the, the Alouettes on that one. Yeah, me too. All right. I don't think you said that for certain. We were just yeah. talking Yeah, no, I'm definitely it. taking the Owls. Then we have the late game in the Battle of Ontario. We have the, at 4 p.m., we have Ottawa going into Toronto to take on the Argonauts in a game oh. that I just think is going to be the boringest games and Toronto's going to put up 96 points with their backup. Well, I mean, Ottawa's got nothing to play for. They're out of the playoffs, just like the Elk off. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be Toronto. It's just a matter of who they play. Like, do they play anybody? Do Such a weird year. But, yeah. I think, I think you start your starters. 
for yeah, the, the first quarter, either halftime or the first quarter, depending on how the game's going. Like if it's getting yeah. out of hands, you start, yeah. that's when you pull them because you don't want to risk tempers flaring and things Injuries. like that. So. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, I agree. Well, that is so a look ahead. The only one we have that are different is Calgary Sask. Yeah. And that was all done on face. There you go. That was, that was done by a random roll of the die. There you go. Well, next week, or this next week is going to be a big one because we have Canucks hockey, regular season hockey to Ooh. talk about. We'll be two games into the regular season by the time we next talk. Uh, not is you and me because we talk all the time. What was that? Is that all? Just two? Uh, yeah, I believe we play. We might have a game on Monday as well. I thought we had a game on the weekend. Saturday. You play Wednesday. Game on Wednesday. Wednesday, Wednesday, Saturday, and then not till Tuesday. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And then, yeah, so the Canucks take on the Oilers on uh, the 11th, and then the in Vancouver, then they go to Edmonton on the 14th to be the late game in uh, for Hockey Night in Canada. So ah. national broadcast all around on both of those days, Wednesday Night Hockey and... It's like Christmas time, Vicking CFL this playoffs, is, hockey started. It's just it's an amalgamation of everything. And I'm getting excited because in like two weeks I'm going to Vegas. So like you're going to Vancouver that weekend. Hang out with a friend of the show, Arlan Bruce. Because you didn't invite me to Vegas. I made these plans long before I You could have invited the big old man with you. We go to Vegas I, together. That's I, our thing. Yeah, but it's for a music festival, and I don't go to music festivals in Vegas with you. Because you don't like the music. You don't like good music. Would I go to the music festivals? No. Would I hang out in Vegas? Yeah. I mean, Vegas Vegas is in the country of the free. You can do whatever you want in Vegas. So (laughs) you're welcome to come. It's true. It's true. (laughs) But everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. You can find us everywhere. Uh, on Facebook, you can find Hugh Sports Podcast, HSP underscore pod. Same on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. Same on Instagram and TikTok. You can find me at JStreams on Twitter. You can find the old man at KevHugh64 on the Twitter machine. You can find him in, with his other hat on at Cavelli Channeling on Facebook. Uh, am I missing anything else you want to plug? Nope. Well, you got it all. Till next week. Have yourselves a wonderful night and good night. Mwah.